I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys that loves a good before and after story. I, I love those shows, those, those home remodel shows, you know, on TV. I think there's, there's one called Zombie House Flipping, and then there's uh, Fixer Upper. Of course, I always get sucked into those. It's kind of a Saturday morning ritual at my house. I'll get up, I'll make Trisha a cup of coffee, then I'll make myself a cup of coffee, and then I'll lay on the couch with the dog sipping my coffee thinking I could totally do that. <laughs> Knowing Trisha's sitting next to me thinking there is no way he could ever do that. I don't know, I don't know why it fascinates me so much. It fascinates me, I guess, because these shows, these people, they're able to take something that's so worn out, something that's, that's so broken and lifeless, and somehow, somehow within 30 minutes, they're able to <laughs> redeem it. They're, they're able to, to revive it. They're able to bring it back to life again. They're able to take something old and make something completely new. I think these are just TV shows, yes, but, but I can't help but think about how that picture of the before and after story that we witness on TV can be the story of, of our lives, too. We can have real-life change before and after stories in our lives. And these heart remodels, they're so much more than just sweeping away some cobwebs or putting a fresh coat of paint on some cupboards. These before and after stories that we can have literally, literally, can be life-changing for eternity. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to a group of Christ-believing Romans. And in this letter that he's writing to them, he concludes a bit of a blueprint for, for how we can have this before and after story in our lives. And here's what Paul has to say, starting in Romans chapter 6. He says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in, this, in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. And then he follows it up by saying, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. You know, Paul says a lot here in these few verses, a lot that we could touch on and a lot that we could talk about, but particularly today, when we're thinking about the before category, the old life category, a couple of quick things jumped out to me reading through this, both found in verse 6. Paul uses these, phrase, these phrases, old sinful selves and slaves to sin. Paul, Paul says, look, our before life, our old life, is not only sinful, but we're slaves to that sin. We're in bondage to that, slint, to that sin. And I know that many times we get weirded out when we hear that word sin. And I think rightfully so. 
It's because, it's because I think the church at large has kind of done a bad job of, of defining sin and what that really is. Because we often we try to relegate sin to these specific actions, meaning, hey, you do this thing or you don't do this thing. You're a sinner. I think the more accurate definition of the word sin has to do with an overall heart attitude. It's a heart attitude. And it's an attitude that says this. Look, when it comes to my life, when it comes to my life, if there is a God, I don't need him. I'm in control. I know what's best for me. I want to be the boss. In this world, this world is, is mine. It revolves around me. And all of you are just living in it. Thank you. That's the heart attitude of sin. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, after a while, this whole heart attitude of sin, it becomes exhausting. It becomes damaging. It's exhausting because there's no way out. Paul told us in chapter 6 of Romans, he says you are a slave to this sin. You're in bondage. And over time, being in control of everything and living as if we are God and not trusting God to be God, that is exhausting. And it's tiring. And I imagine there are some here this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about because maybe you're living your life in such a way right now where you're just tired. You're just frustrated. It's tiring, but it's more than just tiring. It's, it's damaging. It's damaging because over time, this attitude that we have, it's only going to hurt yourself. It'll only hurt your relationships with other people, and it'll only put a barrier between you and God. It's damaging. And that old life that we have, just like these old houses, they need to be remodeled. I, th I think this is incredible, though. It's incredible that God could have said to us, he could have said, you know what? Y'all got yourself into this. Figure it out. It's your mess. You fix it. And if he would have said that, I mean, who could blame him? After all, we're the ones that turned our back on God. We're the ones that walked away from him, not the other way around. He has every right, every right to walk away from us, every right to just leave us where we are. But in his great mercy and in his great grace, he does the complete opposite. In fact, he accepts us. Right where we are, our tired, worn out, old self. I love just a chapter before in Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed us great love by sending Christ Jesus to die for us when, while we were still sinners. You know, God does not wait for us to fix ourselves. 
God does not say, you know what, I'm going to love you, but before I do that, you got to get things together. You got to fix yourself. You got to be good. You got to do enough. You got to do this stuff. You have to be worthy of my love, and then I will love you. He doesn't say that. In fact, it says that he showed us his great love while we were still sinners. But he loves us way too much to let us continue to live this way. He wants to do something. He wants to give us the ultimate before and after stories. So Paul tells us exactly to what extent Jesus goes through to make this happen. And, and he goes on in these chapters, this chapter to say that in verse 6, 7, and 8, that he was crucified, we died with Christ, and that in verse 5, that we're united in his death. Jesus' extraordinary, unconditional love for you and me is displayed on the cross. And while, and while his physical body is hanging on the cross, while he is physically being crucified, there's something else that's hanging on the cross too. It's our old selves. It's that pattern, uh, attitude of selfishness and sin that our old life has that goes to the cross with him. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he put on his shoulders our sin, the sin of the world. He, he took that upon himself. And he nailed it to the cross with him once and for all. For this, for us, we are, this is great news. <laughs> this is amazing news. This is life-changing news because the cross, it literally loosens and removes the chains from our old self. That self that has us tied down in bondage and slavery, the cross breaks those chains once and for all. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to that selfishness and that shame and that guilt in our past and everything else that's held us back from the true freedom. It was killed with Jesus on the cross. This old life crucified with Jesus, it's completely dead. And it was Jesus' desire for us to keep it that way for the rest of our lives. It's the reason why after Jesus is crucified, then he dies on the cross. Don't miss this. It's the reason that Paul says he was buried. He was buried. We can't miss the significance of this word that he was buried because Jesus not only desires to crucify our old way of life, but he also takes that old way of life with him to the grave and is buried with it. It's gone. But let, let's be honest. Moment by moment, I'm tempted to go back to my old life and dig it up. It's like I'm carrying a shovel in my backpack, just waiting for it. And when I see it, when I feel it, I'm drawn to it. I pull out my shovel and I dig up that old way of life. We're all tempted to do this. But you know I can't begin to tell you the damage that happens when you do this, when you dig up your old way of life. Because when you do, you go back to things like being the God of your own life. 
wanting to have control of everything, to believing that, that my soul can somehow find joy or satisfaction outside of Jesus, that, that I go back to my old habits that I used to entice me, I go back to my old patterns of anger, of selfishness, I go back to all those things. And you know where that leads me? Nowhere. It leads me nowhere. Actually, it, it does lead me somewhere. It leads me to hurting myself, and it leads me to hurting other people. And it leads me to completely spitting in the face of Jesus, who has done everything to rescue me from this life. Jesus doesn't just want to kill our old way of life. He wants it to stay buried with him. Because... He has something so much better in store for us. Something so much beyond our wildest dreams in store for us. So Jesus reveals our new self. And Paul tells us what this new self looks like. Look at what, what, the, what this after looks like. Christ was raised, we, so we may live new lives. In verse 5, we are raised to new life. As he was, verse 6, we're set free, we're no longer slaves to sin. Verse 8, we will live with him. People thought that when Jesus was crucified and put in the grave, that that was the end of it. Boy, were they wrong. They failed to realize that when Jesus came to give all people all of us, an ultimate before and after story, and that started with him. God, the Father, raised Jesus from the grave, leaving our old before lives behind, showing us that, that beyond a doubt, he is victorious over death so that we can have eternal life in him. This is the eternal life that Jesus has secured for us. And it begins not once we die. No, it begins the moment we say yes to following Jesus. The moment we stop clinging to ourselves and we start clinging to him. John 10.10 10 says, The thief came to kill, to kill, steal, and destroy, but my purpose Jesus' purpose was to come to give you a rich and satisfying life, a life that begins the moment you say yes to Jesus, not at death. This new life begins now. And when that happens, Paul makes it clear that we're completely free. We're free to leave our, our before lives in the ground. And we're free to live with Jesus as he continues to write your after story. I can almost picture Jesus standing next to the big screen, looking at us and saying, Chapel family, are you ready to see your fixer upper? Are you ready? We all say yes. Yes, Jesus. It's because of what he's done. He has something new for us. It brings us to today, the most amazing part 
of being here today is that we get to experience the before and the after story of, of seven people over the course of these three services this morning. We get to hear their before and after story of what they experienced following Jesus. You know, those who, who step foot in this tank, they're going to, to reenact uh, 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 symbolically what Jesus has done for them. That, that when they're immersed under the water, it symbolizes Jesus' death and burial. It, it symbolizes them dying to their old way of life and, and being raised with new life. And just as Jesus, he came out of the grave and was resurrected, our friends today coming out of the water will symbolize this new life they have in him. It's also them slipping on a wedding ring or a team jersey to say, you know what, I am identifying myself with Jesus today. I am a follower of his and I want everyone to know that is the step they take today.